Welcome to episode 43 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, <laughs> if it's that time, and get ready for the intermittent fasting party. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Welcome. This is episode number 43 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Well, I'm great, and I promised I would follow up with my giving up coffee experiment. I've been thinking about that all morning, actually. I'm like, oh, I good. can't wait to hear, Jen. <laughs> I'm so excited. Ever since you said that um, 
You stopped? Yeah, and by stopping, I mean I started back again. <laughs> I'm back on coffee. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back on coffee. So, um, yeah, I stopped the stopping and started. Oh, my. So, <laughs> yeah. do well, tell. I made it. I mean, and, and when I say I made it, it makes it sound like I was, like, about to die, and so I gave in. That's not it at all. I was actually on the other side and, you know, had gotten through the worst of the caffeine withdrawals. Um, on day seven, I woke up and, you know, went about my day drinking my hot water, and then um, – some people asked some asked some questions in the Facebook support group about coffee, and I was answering the questions and linking to the study that we talk about all the time in, in the Facebook group about coffee being shown to be linked to autophagy. Apparently, there's some debate right now about that. Um, some people are saying maybe it stops autophagy, but I've heard some actual researchers who study it and then publish papers about it themselves who are saying it absolutely is linked to increased autophagy. So as I was sending these studies, you know, for people to look at, I thought, you know, why am I not drinking coffee? I really miss coffee. (laughs) It's, you know, linked to so many great longevity benefits and increased autophagy. So I went in and made myself a cup of coffee. And here's what's so interesting. Immediately, my brain was like so happy to have that coffee and I felt a mental clarity I had been missing. And um, what's fascinating about that is someone reminded me about, or someone was was talking about it and she said, you know, I have ADHD and caffeine helps me focus. And then I was like, aha. Um, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD because I was in elementary school in the 1970s when people were not identifying kids as ADHD, but I had all the characteristics. You know, I've been a teacher for 28 years, and I think back about how I was as a student. I was all over the place. And um, and here's a funny story about me, Melanie, you might appreciate. You know how um, we have senior superlatives in high school, like most likely to succeed and all of that? Well, we had one that we did at my high school. We had something called Senior Night, and everybody got a superlative, and a lot of them were funny, whatever. But these were not the ones they put in the yearbook. But my senior senior superlative was most hyperactive. Oh, my. Isn't that hilarious? So that's appropriate. Yeah. So anyway, as a teacher, I know that, you know, we've had a lot of kids take ADHD medication over the years, and those medications are actually stimulants. But in the brains of people with ADHD, those stimulants actually help them to... They're depressants, right? Yep. They help you to calm yourself and focus yourself. So these kids, a lot of parents don't want to put their kids on the medicine, so they will give them caffeine. They'll give them Mountain Dew or they'll actually give their young child coffee (laughs) instead of ADHD medication. And so even though I was never officially diagnosed as ADHD... I think that I have one of those brains that is focused by caffeine instead of, you know, it acting more like a stimulant. Um, I also go to, you know how people take Benadryl to sleep? Mm -hmm. Oh, and you said before it makes you... Yes, it makes me wired. And that's typical, too, of people who with this this type of brain chemistry. So I was like, well, that's very interesting. I guess I've been self-medicating with coffee all this time and not really realizing because I felt so much better. As soon as I started drinking the coffee again, I felt like myself. Now, another another thing I noticed that was fascinating was 
the days that I was not drinking coffee, I was ravenous in my eating window. Like I was eating more and I, I was like, why am I so hungry? And so somebody asked me, well, why would you be so hungry? Because shouldn't you be just fine because you're adapted to fasting? You know, what's the coffee doing? Um, so that spurred me to do some research on coffee. And this is what's fascinating. I found a study from 2012 that showed that coffee actually leads to an increase in satiety hormones. Oh, oh, oh one other thing. The decaf, decaf coffee actually increased it more. Satiety hormone. Yeah. So oh, the increased deca- satiety yes, hormones Yes. More? Yep. The, they found that caffeinated water was the worst at doing it, just plain caffeinated water. Caffeinated coffee increased the satiety hormones, and decaf increased them the most. It's so funny we're talking about this because we have about three different listener questions sort of related to this that I was going to do for next week. So we well, can, ha- we can we, have it well, next week. We can get, yeah, we can get more into coffee so, so next teaser, week too. It'll be a teaser. Okay. But I, I did want to jump in on a few things that you said. Well, first of all, I completely know what you're talking about with the mental clarity. Like, this, it's weird. I don't know how it can happen that fast, but the second I have a sip of coffee, it's like something just clicks and my brain just turns on. I mean, that's literally how it felt when I'm, I brewed that cup of coffee and I had some. I mean, maybe it's like psychological because we know it's coming, but all I know is like immediately I felt like myself <laughs> again. And and I had been kind of like just, you know, like lollygagging around <laughs> prior to that. I was actually just listening to a podcast with uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick where she interviews Dr. Sachin Panda, but the whole, oh, yeah. oh have you listened to it? Or uh-huh. do you know who he is? <laughs> I know this podcast oh. episode. Well, I've only listened to that one little section that I know you're about to start oh, okay. talking about <laughs> because, you know, I've got these support groups and they all listen to podcasts and this one comes up over and over and over and over again. Yes. Actually, we can, we can talk about it more next week as well. Should we just save it? Let's save it. Let's tease it because I do want to. I haven't researched it fully enough to be able to really talk about it. Um, my my answer is always, well, I know this autophagy expert who says that coffee is linked to increased autophagy, so I'm going with that. But um, I would like to dig into what Dr. Panda actually says. So, so I can... okay, so we'll we'll table that, and we actually okay. do have, um, like I said, we have some other related questions about surrounding coffee in general and caffeinated water and mushrooms. Well, yeah, I think it's great. And also just this past week, I guess, or recently on the Obesity Code podcast, Dr. Fung actually said something about coffee and autophagy and raised some questions about it. So it's definitely some buzz out there about okay. it. So we'll so. we'll have a, a, a more thorough discussion with listener questions next week. So teaser yeah. for everybody. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too, because it's something that, that we need to talk about, especially when, you know, these podcasts are out there, you know, with the with the the idea that, you know, maybe you don't want to have coffee during the fast, but Jen's going to have it. <laughs> to be continued. I actually reached out to a, cafe, a coffee drink alternative company. I've realized I can start reaching out to companies and say that I want to review things on the podcast and then they send us free things. Oh, so, that's fun. 
I have something coming in the mail. Hopefully it'll come before, hopefully it'll come this week so I can try it and then I can report back next week. But um, yes, okay. So teaser. So listeners, if you like coffee and caffeine and are wondering about everything, stay tuned. We will dig into that research and pull it apart for you. Yes. And it will be easy for me to do that because my brain is happy. Perfect. Because of the coffee. (laughs) Perfect. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body. It is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. All right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. 
We're thrilled to bring you Health IQ as the very first sponsor of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Health IQ is a life insurance agency rather than a broker, which uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, like our intermittent fasting listeners. They can give our listeners exclusive rates, but you have to qualify by taking their online lifestyle quizzes based on everything from the metabolism to the paleo diet to, and I'm not making this up, people who like wearable weights like me. They personally guide you all throughout the life insurance process to make it easy and even fun. To see if you qualify, you can get your free quote today at healthiq.com fasting. Or you can mention the promo code fasting when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Totally check them out. We think you'll love them. Okay, so to start things off, very briefly, we have a listener feedback email, and this just continues the whole vitamin D tanning bed dialogue that we have started, we've kind of cultured between ourselves and various listeners. And this comes from Stephanie, and I'm not sure what the subject was, but she says, Hi guys, I found your podcast and loved your latest episode, specifically loved the defense of controlled, quote, light therapy (laughs) exposure. For years, I have suffered with scalp psoriasis, eczema, and skin yeast rashes. This is a tangent. I just realized all of the skin words are really hard to say, like psoriasis and eczema, and they just look weird. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Okay, uh, so she finally trusted her gut, bit the bullet, and started tanning for the last few months. And for the first time in my life, my skin has been completely clear. No flare-ups, knock on wood, no nothing. Also, combining IF, that helps with underlying inflammation issues. I couldn't be happier. No more strong steroid creams for me. Thank you. So, Stephanie, I'm really glad that the the light therapy the is light therapy. <laughs> helping your skin. And for listeners, again, we don't advocate burning yourself or baking in tanning beds or anything like that, but it is possible that controlled, conscious, short light exposure to UVB rays specifically, which increase vitamin D synthesis and can actually benefit the skin that that might be appropriate at certain times. So we'll just keep that conversation going. I don't want to bring it all up again, but I'll put links to the episodes where we talked about vitamin D and which sparked this whole debate on ifpodcast.com. So you can go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 43. Awesome. All right. So to start things off, we have a question from Rosie and the subject is tips for breaking through a plateau. And Rosie says, hi ladies, I'm loving the podcast and I look forward to new episodes every week. In just two and a half months of my IF journey, I've gotten four family members to try it too. And I love sharing this new lifestyle with my loved ones. I have really enjoyed the podcast episodes in which you share your in which you share your lists of top five tips relating to different IF topics and thought this could be a good one. Can you share your top five recommendations for people who have hit a plateau in their weight loss or body recomposition progress? 
To clarify, my question is different from a previous podcast question about what to do when weight loss seems elusive when first starting out with IF. What can experienced IFers do once they've hit a wall with their progress, especially since I've heard this happens the closer we get to our goals? Also, for each tip you have, can you comment on whether it's something you recommend incorporating just during the final stretch to reach our goals, or if it's necessary to also keep the habit going into maintenance? For example, I'd imagine a shorter eating window will help if our goal is weight loss, but it could be possible to extend the eating window a bit longer once we've hit maintenance. Thanks in advance for your help. Keep up the great work with the podcast. And then Rosie actually has another question as well, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, all right. So how do we want to do it this time? Jen? You want me to, to read my five and then you can read your five? We do this every single time. <gasps> and you always I start. know. Okay. Let's do them one by one. Okay. Now I am going to say for these are all from for mine. They're all something that um, I would say would be temporary if you're trying to just get through a bust through a plateau. I'm just saying that's so funny because I was going to say all of mine are permanent. You can just keep doing them. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, because see, for me, um, every single one of the ones I'm going to recommend that you do now are all things I don't do in maintenance. Oh, see, these are all things I'm completely open to doing yeah all the time yeah so if you're stuck and at a plateau plateau then um one of them that I, I have first of all is food quality and um I would say that you should eliminate processed foods temporarily you know not everybody wants to eliminate processed foods forever you know you're going to want to eat a donut you're going to want to eat a slice of pizza at, at a party or something have some ice cream but these foods may be slowing down your weight loss right now. So, you know, the name of my book is Delay, Don't Deny. And I do believe that you should not deny yourself of the things that you love. But you may have to delay them not just for your eating window till tonight, but you may need to delay them a little longer in the future so that, you know, have that donut when you get to goal and maybe not every single day as you're trying to get there. <laughs> I can't believe I don't have that one of course oh, i would of course for that one i would be like all the time yeah yeah <laughs> well i'm a big believer in of course as, as you know we've talked about before nutrition is important so when i say delay don't deny or have a donut of course i'm not advocating that that is your main food source but um you know people get excited about adding back foods that had been forbidden and then they can go a little nuts on those and so if you're stuck and having trouble getting past a plateau you can really clean up your food choices for a while. I did this. Um, I talked about it in Delay, Don't Deny. As I was trying to get to my final goal, I cut out all processed foods for a, a short period of time, and I did lose weight faster. Yep, it'll it'll do that. Yeah. All right, so share one of yours. Okay, so my first one, it's really only applicable if you're already doing this, but it's change your macros. So if you are consciously following, for example, a ketogenic high-fat diet, or on the flip side, consciously following like a low-fat diet, if you're putting some sort of emphasis probably on your fat or carbohydrate content, then I would suggest flipping it and seeing what happens. 
Um, so this actually w would be probably temporary, but um, if, for example, you're not ketogenic at all and then you switch to keto, that could do something. On the flip side, if you're, I mean, a lot of people get into keto and they don't want to stop, but um, <laughs> if you're ketogenic and then you completely flip it around, that also might really bump things up. I think just shocking, not not shocking the body, but changing things up like that can definitely, because our, our bodies adapt to using certain fuel substrates as far as the macronutrients go. So if, if we do switch it completely like that, there's going to be an adaption period where I think things can shift around a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Weight loss. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, this is a side note and I don't want to talk about it for too long, but it's so interesting to me, Jen, the low carb studies seem to correlate to the most weight loss and better body composition. But there are also a lot of studies that show high low fat diets actually lead to more sustained weight loss. It's such a debate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I really think that that it's a false debate. It's it's because it's what works better for you. You know, like I talked yeah. about with the whole te you know looking at my DNA and that I my genetics hint that I may be better losing weight on the low fat, which, you know, in my experience, I did lose weight in the 90s very well with low fat. Um, and I've never been able to lose weight on low carb ever, ever, ever. Why did I keep trying it? I don't know. <laughs> it never worked for me. I mean, I guess I kept trying it because I love the fatty foods more than I love the low fat foods. Um, but, you know, I, mean, I could read I every study in the world, but my body told me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just always thinking about it. <laughs> My thoughts right now are that, especially for overweight people, I think low carb can be fantastic for really making the body start to use those those fat stores for, for a lot of people, something that they can't really ever achieve going the low fat route. But then for people who aren't overweight at all, it might be a little bit different. But I, we well, can we can save all that because we have a lot to talk about. I also think as far as like if you're super insulin resistant, then you want to lower your insulin. And so mm -hmm. that is where the low carb can actually be something that's helpful, you know, maybe not forever, but till you get your insulin down. So yeah, definitely. Just one more factor. Okay. You ready for number two? My number one was change macros. And then my number two is actually cycle calories. I thought about this because I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Ruscio and the Mind Pump people. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. But they were saying that rather than consciously constricting your calories in general, which we're never really advocating, um, consciously alternating your calories. So having a few days where it's like super high calorie intake and then days where it's super low, but overall over the whole week, it comes out to about the same. And so that kind of like keeps your metabolism quote really guessing. Um, I think that can be a nice way to kind of shock your body into some more, some more fat burning. What are your thoughts? Well, that's funny. 
I have that. That's number four on my oh, list was that okay, exact okay. one. I was like, um, I was like, what is she thinking? <laughs> no, I love it. I actually have a blog post called, Oh No, The Dreaded Plateau, What to Do When Weight Loss is Slow. And that is at jenstevens.com. And um, I actually have as one of my suggestions that you can incorporate down days, which are a feature of the 5-2 plan or alternate daily fasting or 4-3 where you have – two to three down days per week where you have, you know, quote, low calorie days, that would be the only time that I would recommend counting calories is if you're purposefully trying to break through a plateau and you're um, wanting to have the down days during your, during your week. So yeah, we had the exact same idea. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, there's a good deal of research on alternate day fasting patterns where you have, they purposefully have 500 calories one day and then unrestricted the next. And it shows consistent fat loss because, um, you know, I could debate whether those plans are actually fasting because on the 500 calorie days, they often are eating like tiny little amounts throughout the day. So is that really fasting? Right. Of course it isn't, not really, but because they're eating during the day. But it does seem to keep people from having that metabolic slowdown that like, let's say you were just eating 500 calories a day, every day spread out during the day, your body would slow down the, the processes and, and you would um, have metabolic problems. So by keeping that up day, down day pattern that that can help your body along. So um, yeah, I also have and I didn't have this written down. But it's a similar idea. I had it on jenstevens.com. And it would be just to throw in a 48 hour fast here and there. Just oh, a long that is a good one. Just a longer fast. It kind of goes in with this. So you're purposefully, you know, having the down days or you're just having a straight on, you know, 36 hour, 48 hour fast, something like up to 48 hours um can often get things moving again. Now I'm not going to say that you should do a 72 hour fast or like fast for 5 days. No. Um not for the purpose of faster weight loss, but up to about 48 hours just to kick things off. I think that's a great idea. I agree. All right. So we were on the right track for that one. All right. You want to hear what I had for number two? Sure. All right. Now, this one may be controversial since you have a book called What When Wine. <laughs> but um, for me, I did this as well when I was trying to get down to, go, to goal. I temporarily eliminated alcohol. And it may not be, you know, the alcohol itself. Because we've talked that, about that before, about how alcohol can be used in the body, Um and it's oh, okay. It doesn't right. There's not really a direct pathway to fat storage. Gain, to fat storage. Right. But for me, the key to alcohol elimination is more about the fact that alcohol lowers my inhibitions. And right. so I'm more likely to be like, well, I've had a glass of wine and now I want to have some more food. Yeah, I'm more likely to mm -hmm. overeat if I overdo the alcohol. So I really think that um, the two things I did together eliminating the processed foods temporarily and also I temporarily eliminated alcohol so those are not my number one and my number two I lost about two pounds a week doing that and it also matches with my number three which I'll get to in a few minutes oh excited yeah although ironically I don't have this written down you could also try if you if you don't drink wine, you could try adding it. And see well, there you happens. go, right? It might actually. It's interesting for me. I actually find that I find that when I drink wine with food, I I tend to consume less overall. Which actually, in studies for women, that seems to be the consistent finding that wine drinking and women correlates to 
to eating less food and less weight gain. My problem is I get, I, like I've said this before, I kind of struggle with reactive hypoglycemia. And so that kind of, I get hungry later and I think it's a blood sugar issue. Ah, so That makes sense. I'm just more likely to start munching on things if I've had more to drink. Yeah. So that worked well for me. But all right. What is your number? Number three? Three. Yes. My number three is experimenting with cold thermogenesis. Oh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> and this one is something I do anyway. It's also something I was listening to another Rhonda Patrick podcast. Her her podcast, by the way, is Found My Fitness. It's often number like the number one podcast on in our category for the fitness and nutrition podcasts on iTunes. I love that podcast. So she had an interview with a guy named Ray Cronice. I got really excited about this episode and I was like, Jen, listen to this, listen to this. Listen and to I this. did. I actually listened to the whole thing. It was, it's like two hours and I listened to the whole thing and I think I'm going to listen to it again. It was that amazing. Basically playing around with cold exposure can do some pretty amazing things just for your health in general, but also for fat burning. For health in general, it's good for your mitochondria. It's anti-aging, like lots of good things. You can also use it to like reset your circadian rhythm. Just so many things. We should have a, we should have this as like a topic to discuss on a different podcast on another episode. So I would play around with that for fat burning. So you can do things like cold showers in the morning. Start start working with those. You can do things like if it's winter, just not bundling up so much. You can do things like sleeping at night with less blankets. And it's something that you have to work up to, but it actually induces burning of brown fat, which is a type of fat in our body. Specifically, it's there to keep us warm <laughs> and we burn it to generate heat. And so by being cold, you're really not, you're probably not going to tap into that fat unless you're doing some sort of cold exposure. So that could be a way to tap into some, some little random bits of fat that you probably, you might not have even been aware of as far as like an option to burn. I've actually read that it causes what we call, quote, the browning of fat. So it like makes you have more brown fat. Like that's what we want. Like it takes regular fat and turns it into brown fat. It does that too. So that's what I'm confused about because you, you, you. The brown burn... fat is what keeps us warm. Yeah. So you, you burn. So I guess you'll be making more of it, but you'll be burning yeah. it too. Yeah. I'm not but sure about whether case, you burn it. In any case, it's, it's, it's a better type of fat to be yeah. dealing with than than normal like visceral white adipose right. tissue white it's also the kind of and fat that newborns have like newborn babies are born with, oh, with the layer of, of brown fat i don't know how i know this really <laughs> why do i know it I don't know. <laughs> it's also it's the non-shivering type so if you if you're really cold and you're shivering and you're thinking yay i'm burning brown fat actually no um and this is <laughs> this is something that he talked about he i don't know if he was if he had studies to back this up or if he was just theorizing, but he was saying, I found it so interesting. He was saying that sh our, our shivering response is sort of similar to, well, A, and it's sort of similar to um, being in like a carb burning state rather than a fat burning state because it's, it's a temporary 
response of your body to try to warm up and you're cold while you're shivering. And he was saying that it's also sort of like doing glycogen dependent or carb dependent exercise and that it's temporary and it's relying on (laughs) glycogen. Whereas when you actually tap into like the brown fat, that's when you become, you're not shivering. It's cold outside, but you're not shivering and you're, you're warm and it's sustained. And so that's an indicator that you are burning. You're in like a fat burning mode rather than a carb burning mode. I found that really interesting. Um, I'll put a link to that podcast on the show notes because they talk about lots of stuff. They do. And, and he, it was interesting to hear how he himself eats. Yeah. So he, 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 he follows, um, plant-based for the most part. Oh, right? oh, you're talking about, yeah, I was gonna say he follows like calorie restriction. He's like a big no, well, proponent of calorie yeah. restriction and fasting. For longevity, calorie but, yeah. restriction for longevity versus just eating a low calorie diet, like Weight Watchers. <laughs> yes. I actually, t- he didn't tweet me back. I tweeted him because I I want I want to know his thoughts on calorie restriction if you are underweight, which is my problem. Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah, cold therapy is definitely something that's taken off. Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. He's a guy who's who's doing that too, and um, people are talking about him a lot. I haven't researched him in depth, but people talk about him a lot. Um, on, in the Facebook groups, and the, I think he also is a proponent of intermittent fasting, but they'll say that they're following the Wim Hof method. And it integrates? I think it's got cold therapy in it, yeah. Cool. Because they, they talk about that. So it's, yeah. it's gaining ground, you know. it's It really is metabolic metabolically boosting, I guess, right? Yeah. No, I I love it. I personally just like I, – I, I normally keep – the air very cold in my apartment and I like it to be very cold. I like my body just dealing with it. It just feels I, I really do feel like it it stimulates a fat burning state. And yeah. It just makes I just I like it. <laughs> I'm sure I don't like it at all. I hate to be cold. <laughs> I hate it. So I am not gonna be taking any cold cold showers. All right. <laughs> all right. Are we ready for number four? Oh I will say um listeners one thing that you can do if you don't want to do a straight up cold shower is just at the end of your shower, like in the morning, if you can you can just blast yourself with cold water at the very end for as long as you can and just do that every time and do it longer and longer. It really wakes you up too. He actually was doing it at night right before he went to bed and it helped him sleep. Yeah, that's something they were discussing. They were saying that he does like a, an approach where – you alternate hot water, cold water, hot water, cold water, and apparently it can actually reset your circadian rhythm and make you ready to go to bed. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. He He's like, you know, the ultimate of the biohackers, right? So he's like trying all these things on himself and it's fascinating. Like in the podcast, he's he's on his, what, like 23rd day of a fast? Yeah, a doing a long fast. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, like he wanted to do an experiment where he ate nothing but potatoes for a certain amount of time, and the IRB would not approve it. The um, the review board for the university was like, no. That's so <laughs> funny. They wanted to write a paper. I mean, you could just do that on your own, obviously, without having to get approval. But if you want to write – see, he's also a research scientist. So in order to write oh, a paper, you have to – Oh, NASA. Yeah. So he's he's literally a rocket scientist, right? Yeah. Oh, literally. <laughs> I would like to sit down with him and have a meal. That would Me be interesting. Too. Me too. All right. Number four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was having a shorter eating window, which she hinted out. Rosie hinted at that in her question, having a shorter eating window. Um, I would emphasize, though, if you're having a shorter eating window day to day, not with the up day, down day approach, but if you've decided you're going to limit yourself to like a one or two hour window every day, make sure to eat to satiety. You don't want to um, over restrict also. But I did the first those first three things together to get to go faster. Food quality, temporarily eliminating alcohol, and shortened my window. And like I said, I lost about two pounds a week with that. It got me right to goal. And then I was nice. able to lengthen my window and add back more foods and add back the alcohol. And um, here I am. <laughs> All right. What was number four? Number four for me was really, really focusing on neat, non exercise, activity, thermogenesis. So sort of similar to cold thermogenesis in a way. Basically, so NEAT, it is, we've talked about it before on previous podcasts, but it is the calories that you burn from activity that's not on purpose. So it's not like exercise activity. It's just all the little activity you do during the day. So it's, it's fidgeting, it's vacuuming it's laughing it's 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 just all the little things and it it can account for an individual's we're talking thousands of calories difference burning wise and it's actually often proposed as a reason that some people on when they do like various calorie restricted diets or calorie counting diets and their and its relationship to weight gain or weight loss, meat might be a reason that certain individuals lose more and other individuals lose less because we're not we don't monitor. People will say, "Oh, I exercised for this amount of time," but we don't monitor. Oh, I fidgeted for, you know, however long. Um, so I the way that you could really encourage that would be to well, I love. This is not, well, sort of like neat. I don't know. I love putting on the weights on my body. So if you just wore those around, then all of the little fidgeting that you're doing during the day and everything would automatically be bumped up a little bit as far as the the muscle support and the calorie burning goes. You could do things like not sitting all day, maybe just standing, just like making a conscious effort to stay moving when you go to the, the grocery store park as far away as possible and um only carry baskets and don't use grocery carts and just just like basically really focusing on that and it can actually make a difference especially when you're fasting and i have something to add that kind of piggybacks off of that that's fascinating and i wish i had the study in front of me but i don't i'm just going to go on memory because we talked about it in the facebook groups um they did a study with i guess it was rats i don't know but they put weights on their bodies they did? Yes, like they did. Me? And they found that it actually may have had to do with like a set point. And so it like lowered their body's set point because it's always like the brain has, I'm trying to remember exactly, the brain has like a mechanism that, you know, wants you to be, quote, at a set weight, right? You know, we've heard that before. So by, and it has to do with, with also the pull of gravity. So if you're like put on weights and then lie around, that isn't going to help. You actually have to, I think it was, it, you need to feel it on your body like if you wear a weighted vest and then your legs perceive that you're heavier, it like acted in the brains of these rodents to say, oh, I'm overweight, I need to lose weight. 
So maybe so that's, they lost maybe that's weight. another reason I've like historically all, I don't know. Cause I, I have just found so much benefit for, cause I've been wearing weights like throughout the day for years and now I yeah. feel very weird. Cause you're I, not wearing them. I, no, if I don't have them. Oh, um, sorry. I'm showing Jen that I have them on my hands right now. Yeah. Now if I'm, yeah, if I don't have them, I feel, yeah, it's like, it, it, I, I just feel weird. Like I need yeah. them. They, they make me feel normal in a way, which not when I'm like out and about in life, but just, you know, when I'm around. At home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the theory may be that it, it may relate to your set point and it tricks your body into thinking you're heavier than you actually are so that you need to lose weight. That's interesting. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. It, it was, it was interesting. All right. And that my number five actually kind of goes with this a little bit, a tiny bit, and it has to do with set point weights. And um, so my number five strategy is patience if you are at a past set point weight, because people frequently find that they'll get to a weight and they plateau there. And so now I've even started asking people, hey, is this a weight where you stayed for like years and years and years? And often the answer is yes. Like, yeah, this is the weight I was all throughout my 30s or something. And so it's like your body is like comfortable there. It's like an old set point. And, you know, maybe we don't really know why that happens. Maybe scientists know and I just don't know. But (laughs) for whatever reason, our bodies tend to get happy at a certain weight. And so you got to give yourself time to lower that set point again. And then you'll start, um, you'll resume losing weight. So if you're at a, at a plateau, ask yourself, hmm, have I been at this weight for a period of time previously? And if the answer is yes, then bring the patience. I think that's a good one. My last one was doing high-intensity interval training at the end of your fast. I really, I really think that's just like a, a shoe-in for if, – if you want to go to the ultimate like tap into fat stores – this is going to happen very hard to not not happen approach. Do your fast, do a long fast, and at near the end of your fast, hour 16, hour 17, hour 18, do a little bit of high-intensity interval training. That's where you, you do like you sprint all out for a minute and then walk for 30 seconds and then sprint all out for a minute, walk for 30 seconds. There are different ways of doing it. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to, I'll find some post that talks about how to do it. Or maybe I've even written a post on it, probably. Um, it's in my book. I have a section in there on it. But that's really, yeah, that's golden for fat burning. And it, it, it A, it taps into stubborn fat. It, it actually burns both carbs and fat at the same time. Even in the brief amount of time that it is, it, it relies on both and it can stimulate fat burning for up to 24 hours afterwards, which is amazing. So I think that's. Yeah, because isn't it tapping into the, the glycogen that's stored in your muscles? It's a really unique form of exercise because it uses both glycogen. Normally, like like sprints just rely primarily on glycogen rather than fat burning, but HIIT actually relies on both glycogen and fat stores. And then, it, like I said, it encourages increased fat burning just in general after that. It's the afterburn. Well, I think that that list was great. And thank you, Rosie, for that question. I think we've given some good tips. 
Hi, friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Are we ready to go on to our next question, which I really think is interesting. I'm so excited. Me too. I found some good stuff about it. I bet you did too. So we have an email from Heather, and the subject is Vivid Dreams. And Heather writes, Hi, Melanie. I wanted to let you know that I love your podcast and have been listening since September. I got the chance to meet Melanie at her book signing in Los Angeles. Melanie, you are charming and lovely, and more importantly, so knowledgeable. Thank you, Heather. That's so nice. (laughs) It is nice. 
I have been intermittent fasting since September, anywhere from 16.8 to 23.1, whatever feels right for the day. I have had tremendous results and have lost over 40 pounds. I love this lifestyle and am so glad I found it after struggling with my weight since my early 20s. I am 38. Recently, I've been having extremely vivid dreams and I am remembering them a lot better. I wanted to know if this is due to IF specifically or if it's due to my recent weight loss. I'd love to get both of your thoughts and opinions. Thank you both. I look forward to your podcast every Monday morning. Jen, I hope you come to Los Angeles on a book tour someday soon. And thank you, Heather. Heather, you are a treasure. <laughs> um, so yes, I met I met Heather at the Barnes & Noble book signing for What When Wine. And she actually, we had a Q&A session or we had a Q&A we had a Q&A <laughs> and um, she asked this question and I I didn't know the answer at the time and I was like, oh, send, well, I was like, we'll address this on the podcast. Um, yeah, so it's a great question and Heather, you're, you're awesome and it was wonderful to meet you. So did you, Jen, find, read the study, The Dreams of the Rare Bit? Fiend, food and diet as instigators of bizarre and disturbing dreams. Did you find that one? I did. I did not find that oh, one. 2015 no. Frontiers in Psychology. So it had a lot of really fascinating information in it regarding this whole concept. So the first part of the study was talking about how disturbing dreams in general seem to correlate to particularly like binge eating and eating for emotional reasons and eating a lot before sleep. And then certain, it, they talked about how certain foods um, could create disturbing dreams. And this is disturbing dreams, not vivid dreams necessarily. Apparently dairy products are the most frequently blamed food category for disturbing dreams. So that was disturbing dreams. And then they said reports of vivid dreams were associated with measures indicative of wellness better sleep, a healthier diet, and longer times between meals fasting. That's what it says. I was like, oh. Um, and then things get a little bit complicated because they were saying that the fasted state often results in more vivid dreams, which is not probably the type of intermittent fasting that Heather is doing or that we're doing because we're eating right before bed. So that's in a way sort of not applicable because we are very much in the fed state. But then it actually talks about this. I'm just going to read it because it's it's like perfect. It says, particularly intriguing is our finding that participants who reported experiencing longer daily intervals without eating also reported more vivid dreams. Fasting has been utilized since ancient times as a means of inducing vivid dreams. The present results suggest that even brief periods of food deprivation within, within a day may be sufficient to produce a similar effect. This possibility is interesting in view of growing research indicating that intermittent fasting, consisting of periodic intervals of 12 to 24 hours with little or no food, can have beneficial effects on both physical health and cognitive abilities. And then later it says, the relationship of food deprivation with vivid dreams found in the present study may be associated with or the result of a general improvement in cognitive functioning resulting from exposure to periods of intermittent fasting. So basically, 
intermittent fasting really upregulates our health and wellness in general, but particularly our brain's function and our our cognitive skills and all of that. And so that can lead to, I mean, it makes sense. It can lead to more vivid dreams and, um, yes, that, that, that was, that was my main bulk of research, but apparently it is a thing. What did you find, Jen? Well, I went the route of the fact that when we're fasting, we, um, go in and out of ketosis. And I found a 2017, um, publication called The Current Status of the Ketogenic Diet in um, Psychiatry. And so they had, they, they like really pulled in, you know, what is ketosis doing for everybody um, and how does that relate to just many different aspects of, of our emotional and mental health. And one little tiny section talked about sleep. And I mean, it talked about all sorts of things, but of course, you know, fasting is ketogenic. So we are um, experiencing ketosis during the day while we're fasting. And so our brains are able to run on ketones, you know, for a good part of the day. So when I, I dug into the paper and it talked about sleep, they, um, they found that after three months of a ketogenic diet, sleep was reported to be enhanced. And the, um, the participants had a reduction in the total amount of sleep that they needed, which we very often hear with intermittent fasters. They're like, I don't need as much sleep, but I still feel great. I just don't need it. And that actually, I think, relates to the fact that we're going in and out of ketosis. Also, um, they found that these people on the ketogenic diet had increased REM sleep, which is the rapid eye movement sleep, which is linked to dreaming. So it makes sense that if you have increased REM sleep that you would perhaps have more vivid dreams or be more likely to um, remember them. So I found that to be fascinating. So I think if we put both of these together, what you said and what I said or what I found, um, yes, fasting is related to having more vivid dreams and it possibly could be related to ketosis. Not that you're necessarily in ketosis at that moment, right? Because, um, you know, we're in the fed state, but it could be like a carryover of just what's happening in our brains. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say for for us, like the one meal a day, we might not be in a ketogenic state when we're sleeping, but I think it's just the overall changes in the brain. Right, and so we may not be literally like at that moment you know, in ketosis, but the ketosis being in the state of, you know, in and out of ketosis, like we are, it does change our brains to a degree. So I I think that there, there's some clues within that. I found that to be very interesting. I like it. I, I always have vivid dreams and I always remember them. Do you? I know some people like say they never remember their dreams or they don't dream. I only have nightmares now. If I like ate something that is like not good for me personally like nightmares very strongly correlate to what I eat which I find interesting I actually I want to do a whole I want to do like a blog post on that because I think I mean clearly from this study there is a connection between the type of food and your body's reactions and disturbing dreams that is so fascinating very fascinating all right are we are we ready for our next question so our next question comes from Stacy, and the subject is weight gain and weight lifting. And Stacy says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I love your podcast. 
I've been practicing IF for about a month, doing 16-8 and one 24-hour fast a week. I feel great. I started doing IF after reading about it helping with depression and anxiety, and I felt significantly less depressed and anxious within the last few weeks. I started IF underweight at 102 pounds, I'm 5'5 with a small frame, and I've gained 3 pounds within a month. I practice weightlifting 3 days a week and cardio 3 days a week. However, I also have a desk job. I'm not trying to lose weight, but it's unlike my body to put on weight this quickly. I eat fairly I eat fairly clean and am a vegetarian, but do indulge in a sweet about every other day, but it's always small. I eat whole foods and don't add any fake meat to my diet. Any tips as to why the weight gain? Feeling a little discouraged. All right, well, Stacy, first of all, do not feel discouraged because you are small. You're I'm five five as well, and um, I can't. I, I would be. You know, you said you started IF underweight at 102 pounds, and I I would be very 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 small at 102 pounds. So, basically, you're doing weightlifting and also cardio and also intermittent fasting, and so that is why your body is putting on weight. I would pretty much venture a guess that you are building a great deal of muscle. Um, because during the fasted state, our bodies have an increase in human growth hormone. So I absolutely would expect that you would be gaining weight while doing intermittent fasting. And instead of being discouraged, it's probably weight that that is going to, um, you know, help your overall body composition and not be a negative. So it's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm gaining weight. Instead of it's like, hey, I'm gaining muscle and that's really good for my body. What do you think about that, Melanie? That is 100% my exact response. The the feeling a little discouraged, I felt, was a twist ending to the question because I was waiting for her right. to be like, why am I not gaining more? Because, Stacy, you said at the beginning that you're underweight. So, we, I mean, I don't see why weight gain is a bad thing. And then you're, you're, um, you're weightlifting, and the, the purpose of weightlifting – is to put on muscle and gain weight. So yeah, I'm actually sort of not confused, but I think this just speaks to, I think it just goes to show how much we all fixate on weight. Like we get fixated on this one little thing, this scale number when it's, I don't know, you need, we need to just look at the whole picture. And yeah. And I would even, would even say that, um, even if you know she started at 102 at 55 I just did a quick calculation and now if she's 105 she's still at a very low BMI of 17.5 and that's that's quite low that's that's so i'm just wondering why yeah why she would not want to gain weight if she's weightlifting and said that she's underweight so, Stacey, I hope that you continue to build some good weight because, <laughs> you know, I think it's important to be in a healthy weight range. And we know that being overweight is is not good for our health, but also being, you know, too underweight is also not something we're, we're looking for. All right. Do you have any other advice for Stacey? Just that it's completely a mindset thing, I think. Um, and I'd really encourage you, Stacey, to change your perspective about the the weight in general there's definitely a fixation there that um I don't think is benefiting you I would just focus on the 
the weightlifting and doing what makes you feel good and eating fairly clean, clean, like you said. And I think what you're doing is great. Yeah. Alrighty. I think that's all we have time for today. So for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 43, that's where I will put links to everything that we discussed on this episode, um, show notes, references, all of the things. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where I put links to all of the stuff that we like, like supplements, books, and everything random that comes up on the podcast. So that'll be there. And then if you're in iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast and then you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically. And while you're in iTunes, we would love, love, love if you could write a brief review on Amazon. That would help so much. Um, Any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, except that I'm really looking forward to the coffee episode. I mean, the the coffee discussion that we're going to have next week. Me too. And we got to like none of our questions today. I know. We really talked for a long time about that one question about the um, (laughs) – it was good though. The plateau, Rosie's question. She actually has another question that we are going to talk about. We'll get to it, Rosie. We'll have to save that for next week. Or the week after. We promise we'll get to it though, Rosie. You're on our our queue. Yes. All righty. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. Yes, everybody have a great week. Happy intermittent fasting. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.